sermon that she received recently. So um, that's another summer wedding that, um, summer isn't it? May. I guess that's technically spring, isn't it? So um any rate, everybody has a different idea of what would make a happy new year. Um, you know, this last year, the Chicago Cubs gave all their fans something that the fans had about given up on. But Chicago Cubs fans never give up, right? Um, and that made to them a happy new year. But do you understand? It all starts over again. Last year's championship isn't good enough, is it? There has to be another one. But, you know, to think about as a believer, we really desire to have a new year that is blessed by God. And in this psalm, he gives us a a real simple recipe <coughs> to have a God-blessed new year. Um in verse 12, he says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Why do you number something? In order to keep track of it. In order to know. Why do you um, number your bank statement, meaning you keep the numbers there so you know how much you have in it. Why do we number? Um, I'm assuming you're not in the politically correct generation that you don't number the goals scored in a game because everyone's a winner, right? Well, the fact is not everyone is a winner. We number things to develop accountability so we know where we're standing to keep track of it. And... The psalmist is saying here, teach us to number our days in the, in the light of the reality that I am accountable for the days that I have. He alluded in this psalm that was read, um, the days of our years are 70, and if by reason of strength they be 80 years. So, numbering our days. Here is the day you were born. Here is 80 years, okay? If you were to put on this timeline where you are, some of you are off the platform, all right? And that's a good thing. That's a testimony of God's grace. <clears throat> but understand, we often, we often say, uh, Middle age is 50, 60, or something like that. Middle age is 35 to 40. I hate to burst your bubbles here. But if you go middle, I mean, now think about it. Put where where you are in this time frame, okay? If you're 20 years old, you're one-fourth away, generally speaking. That's That's number one, if the Lord tarries. That's number two, if you live a full life, okay? But let's just assume, as the psalmist said, 80 years. Um, in understanding where you are in this, 
And, and in understanding, wow, I need to take account of this. I need to, to understand that I need to number my days and, and understand that this life, whether God gives me 20 years or 60 years or, as Maisel Dockenbach had, 102 years, that is a life that I am going to be accountable to God for. And accountability comes by taking inventory <coughs> and understanding what am I doing with this life. We must give, someday, we must give account of our life to God. You think about that. The reality of this, it is appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment, that whatever life God gives me, someday I am going to be accountable to him for the life that I've spent. As a believer, thankfully, our sins are forgiven, but I am still accountable to him for what I have done with this life. What did I do with this life? How did I invest this life? This life will be tested and tried. And um, he said in Luke twelve forty eight, To whom much is given, much will be required. You think of it. Every one of us seated here today have been given so much. Number one, the knowledge of God. I mean... Most everyone here today is aware of the gospel. We're aware of the truth of God. We've been given the privilege to meet like this with fellow believers. We have access to the word of God that every day we can read the word of God. We can think on the word of God. We have all this, let alone the physical blessings, And God says, to whom much is given, much will be required. Um, In understanding, learning to number our days, learning to, to understand that I am accountable to God. A woman admitted before surgery, she said, I am not afraid to die. I am ashamed to die. You know, there's a lot of truth in that statement. When we think, how have I lived my life? How have I invested my life? Think about it. What would you want people to say or write about you at your funeral? If you were to write your own obituary, what would you want it to say? I mean, the reality of that, the day is going to come, apart from the Lord's return, that every one of us will breathe our last breath. And, and when you do, what would you like your obituary to say? That doesn't come by just, oh, I wish they'd say this. Um, 
That comes by living a life in light of the fact that I want to be remembered as a generous person. Well, that's not going to happen when you're tight-fisted all through your life and, and when you're not generous in gratefulness and so on. I mean, the reality is we've been given this life, and he said, step back. Take inventory with your life. Number your days. You know, um, it's kind of revealing when you realize where you are on this timeline. And what am I doing with my life? Someone wrote, Who am I? I haven't always been, and I won't always be. But right now, I'm on the move, measuring out life. People wait for me. Submit to me and fear me, but no one can stop me except the Lord himself. Most men think I'm on the move forever, but I'm not. When God stops me, that will be it. Then it will be too late to forgive your brother, to apologize to your sister, to visit a sick friend, too late to repent and be saved. My name is time. And when I come to my end, you will go with me into eternity. Do you understand the reality of that? That we are given life and we're numbering our days. This is the first day of 2017. We number our days. Every time you you fill out a date, it's a reminder that, wow, we're, we're in another year now again. But are we numbering our days for a proper purpose? And the proper purpose is that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. We need to develop accountability. Oh, and understanding, I'm not going to be here forever. And someday I'm going to meet God and I'm going to give account of my life, what I have done. First of all, what have I done with Jesus Christ? Secondly, what have I done with my life since I've trusted him for the forgiveness of my sin? How have I invested my life? And he says, so learn to take inventory in your day so that you may apply your heart to wisdom. The most basic definition of wisdom that I've been able to wrap my mind around was a number of years ago I heard someone say, wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. You think about that. It's seeing your own life from God's perspective. It's seeing your trials in life from God's perspective. It's seeing other people from God's perspective. It's seeing world affairs from God's perspective. It's seeing marriage from God's perspective. It's seeing money from, you you put whatever you want in there. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. Learning to see the events of life from God's perspective. We have no idea what 2017 holds. But wisdom is whatever comes into our life, 
We say, okay, God, what is it you're trying to teach me? What is your perspective on this? That's wisdom. And you say, well, man, there are certain things that come into life that make that pretty hard. And it's true, and that's why he gave us in James chapter 1 and verse 5, he said, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God, that giveth it to all men liberally, and he does not rebuke us for asking. So God, help me today to see, fill in the blank, from your perspective. Lord, help me to see the coming year from your perspective. Help me to see the situation on my job from your perspective. God, I need your wisdom. I need your instruction. It's not all as difficult as we sometimes claim it to be. Applying our hearts to wisdom, and we're going to mention one thing, and this one thing, can empower us to overcome sinful habits. And I'm going to list a thing, a list of things, and all of these come from the Bible. We're not going to take the time to read the Scripture passages. If you want the Scripture passages, I can get them to you. But this one thing will enable us to overcome sinful habits, to be delivered from trouble, to learn contentment, To bring delight in the Lord and delight to the Lord. To build strong confidence in our life. To get riches, honor, and life. To have a satisfying life. To know the secrets of God. To have constant protection. To have liberty from what others think. To change what we fear. And to give us endurance. Now, I want you to look at that list and I want you to think. What is the one thing you need out of that list that you'd say, boy, that's the one that that I'd like right now. I want you to just look at that list and pick one of those. All of these... From the Bible come from the same thing. It mentions it over and over and over again. It says, by this, you can have strong confidence. You can have constant protection. It is learning to apply our hearts to wisdom. And in Psalm 111 and verse 10, it tells us where you begin To get wisdom, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So he said, we need accountability. We need to number our days so that we can apply our heart to wisdom. So we can learn to see things from God's perspective. Where do I begin wisdom? Where is the starting point for wisdom? He says, it is the fear of the Lord. And by the fear of the Lord... I overcome sinful habits. By the fear of the Lord, I'm delivered from trouble. By the fear of the Lord, I learn contentment. By the fear of the Lord, I bring delight to the Lord. By the fear of the Lord, I have strong confidence. 
By the fear of the Lord, these are all promises in God's word. By the fear of the Lord, you have riches, honor, and life. By the fear of the Lord, you have a satisfying life. Every, every month that goes by, we, we hear on the news of some famous person that dies. And how many times do we hear that they died because they lost hope with life and they just gave up and, and ended their life? Their life was not satisfying. It is by the fear of the Lord that we have a satisfying life. It is by the fear of the Lord we know the mind of God. By the fear of the Lord we have liberty from what others think and so on. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs tells us, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. By the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 9.10 says is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of holy of the holy is understanding and the psalmist said come ye children hearken unto me and i will teach you the fear of the lord so what does it mean to fear the lord if it's the beginning of wisdom if i look at my life and i realize wow three fourths if i live to be 80 Three-fourths of my life is already, over three-fourths of my life is already gone. If I live to be 80, I have 19 years left. Is anybody here 19 years old? Right there, 19 years old. His life is all I have left. If I live to be 80, the way I've been feeling recently, I may be croaking today, all right? Seriously, none of us know what a day holds. So, even if I'm presumptuous to think I have another 19 years left, he says, you'd better get applying your heart to wisdom. Not because there's a shortness of time, because that's why we number our days, so that we can apply our heart to wisdom. So how do I get wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what does it mean to fear God? I'm going to mention three things. Number one, it is a healthy respect for God's authority and character. (coughs) A healthy respect for God's authority and character. Most of us have a healthy respect for authority. If you're zipping down the highway and it's a dark night, and you come by a car parked on the side of the road, and you see that the lights reflect, and it says police, and you see that it has um, lights on it and things, immediately, most people will glance at their speedometer to see what they're going, okay? Some immediately pull their foot off the gas, and why? Why? You know that that person in that vehicle has the authority. And what happens? You look in your rearview mirror and you think, oh, yes, they're not coming out. Or if you see them turn on their headlights, pull out and pull in behind you, 
you're thinking, oh man, why? Because they have the authority to turn on the lights and pull you over and make your life miserable, right? Now, I say make your life miserable. I am all for supporting our law enforcement. Don't get me wrong. Um, I am all for that. But why do we? Because we know they have the authority to stop us and say, um, did you know your license plate light is out? Or do you know how fast you are going? Or I know how fast you are going. You don't know how fast you are going. Show me your license and registration and so on. We have a healthy respect for their authority. A fear of God means a healthy respect for his authority. Do you understand our times are in his hand? He has the authority right like that. We don't control our times. He has <coughs> the authority to do and, and allow into our life anything that he chooses. But it's not just a, a healthy respect for his authority. It's also balanced with a healthy respect for his character. The more you know God, the more you understand who God is. And God is a generous God. And God is a gracious God. And God is a God of love. And there's this balance of understanding a healthy respect for his authority. My times are in his hands. And a healthy respect of his character. I understand who God is. That's why it's so important that we study the nature of God, that we know who God is. That will build a fear of the Lord in the sense that we have a healthy respect. I know God is a faithful God. I know God is a gracious God. I know God will give me everything I need. His grace is sufficient. We have that. That's foundational, a healthy respect for his authority and his character. In the Chronicles of Narnia, an allegory by C.S. Lewis, the author has two girls, Susan and Lucy, and they're getting ready to meet Aslan, the lion who represents Christ. Two talking animals, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, prepare the children for the encounter. And Susan says, oh, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel very nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, said Mrs. Beaver. And make no mistake, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then isn't he safe, said Lucy? Safe, said Mrs. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Do you understand the balance there? Is it safe to stand before the lion? No. But his character is good. And he said, 
Anyone that comes before him without their knees knocking is either braver than most or just plain foolish. We serve a God who is to be feared. And there should be a healthy respect for his authority and a healthy respect of his character. Secondly, the fear of the Lord is a wholesome dread of disobeying God. You understand, (coughs) thankfully we live in the age of grace, but that does not mean that we can just disregard the commands of God, the principles of God. That does not mean we can just do whatever we want. Shall we sin, Romans said, that grace may abound? God forbid. These are commands that God has given. He commands us to love our brother, to love our enemies. He commands us to overcome evil with good. He commands us to not let the sun go down upon our wrath. He gives us these commands for our benefit, for our good. (coughs) But the fear of the Lord is understanding. I serve a God who is the final authority. He has the perfect character. But I have a wholesome, a healthy dread of disobeying God that motivates me by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And that brings us to the third point. It is a pervasive awareness of his presence. Do you understand? God is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And if today, when you left church and you got in your car, God was personified and sat down in your car and he said, you know what? You're the lucky person. This week, I am going to be with you in person all week long. My guess is that our lives would change a little bit. The fear of the Lord is a pervasive awareness of God's presence. When we're tempted to speak evil of someone and we realize God is the one listening to this, the fear of the Lord says, no, I'm not going to say that. When we're tempted to complain about something, And we understand God is standing right there next to us. The fear of the Lord is that awareness of God's presence that will affect our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, and our actions. It's the awareness that, you know what, whether God's presence with me or not, he is fully aware of every detail of my life. And someday... I will be held accountable for him for how I've invested this gift that he's given to me. 
Through the years, I've really come to enjoy the book of Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> and I always, I always love books when they come down and whether books of the Bible or books. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Okay, yeah, now we've, you know, you read a book and it has 200 pages and here's the crux of the matter right here. Why didn't you just put that on the first page? Because one-page books don't sell, okay? That's why they didn't put it on the first page. But in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon has experienced all there is to life beyond what any man could ever experience. And he continually finds it coming up empty, empty. That his conclusion is life without God isn't supposed to make sense, and it won't make sense. So then he comes down at the close of the book of Ecclesiastes, and he said, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And the first thing he says is, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Simple. It's not not complicated. It's not easy. (coughs) But it's not complicated. Here is the whole duty for you and for me. It's what? Fear God and keep his commands. You want to have a God-blessed 2017? Fear God and keep his commands. That will be the beginning of wisdom. That will make these days that you have left useful. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing at the end of life to have someone like God say, here was a person that feared God. All the money we make isn't going to amount to anything. All the possessions we have aren't going to amount to anything. Someday all your stuff will be garage sale or dumpster stuff. You know what I mean? Your kids and grandkids will say, I can't believe Grandpa still was hanging on to this thing. You know what I mean? Take it to goodwill and let people go through the dumpsters there and sort it out or whatever, you know. But to a man or woman who fears the Lord, they will be praised. And the whole duty of man is not to impress others. It's to fear God. And he said, so teach us to number our days. So we're at a brand new year, at the start of a new year, and it's like I I am accountable for however many days God allows me to live in this year. And 
I need to apply my heart to wisdom. Where does wisdom begin? The fear of the Lord. Lord, teach me to fear you. Teach me to have a healthy respect for your authority and character. <coughs> teach me to have a pervasive awareness of your presence that, that everywhere I go, your presence would be real to me. When I'm, I'm tempted to go to some site on the internet that isn't honoring you, that I'll understand you're right here with me, that you see what I'm doing. When I'm tempted to say something, that I'll understand you're the audience. It's learning to play for an audience of one, Jesus Christ. And God, help me to have a wholesome dread after all you've done for me in sending your son to pay the penalty for my sin, in purchasing my forgiveness. God, after all you've done for me, the last thing I want to do is disobey you. Help me to have a wholesome dread of disobeying you. This is the whole duty of man, to fear God and keep his commands. And if we learn to fear God, all those things that we listed will be beneficial in our life, and you will have a God-blessed new year. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would understand the gravity of the hour. I pray that we would know what it is to be accountable with this great gift that we call life. Lord, some here today have been blessed to live beyond their 80 years. Some today are just getting a good start on life if you tarry. But Lord, I pray every one of us would be brought to the reality of the need for us to be accountable with our time, with the use of the gifts that you've given to us. And Lord, I pray that we would apply our hearts to wisdom and that we would understand that wisdom begins with the fear of you. Lord, you are to be feared. And I pray that the character of you, the authority of you, the presence of you would grip our hearts. And Lord, that we would know the fruit of the fear of you in our lives that would produce wisdom that would truly make our lives a joy to you. Lord, I pray that our lives would be a living testimony of your grace sent back to you and to everyone we come in contact with. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.